MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs, and some of our very own staff members at DNVR are taking MSU Denver online classes this summer. Now's the time to be jumping in to those classes through MSU Denver Online because that's what MS, or MSU Denver Online is built for working people who are trying to go back to school. In fact, uh, MSU students work double the hours while taking classes as any other school in Colorado. So if you are currently a, a working person who wants to go back and get yourself a degree, or if you just want to take some classes for fun, jump on to msudenver.com slash online uh, to get information about the 40 plus online and hybrid programs that can get you a degree or the 700 plus courses that you can take on your way to a degree or just because you're interested in the content. Uh, again, that's msudenver.com slash online. All right. Welcome in to the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, we've got the full crew here today uh, with Andre Simone, Justin Michael, Jake Swanitz, and uh, we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Um, but first, how's it going, guys? Up. Uh Doing great, Henry. How are you doing? I'm really good. I had that was uh, enthusiasm, guys. Yeah, I was telling you guys I got a pie yesterday. I've been eating that wow. now for about 24 hours. Um, That's incredible. So yeah, I guess I'm doing pretty good. Better than most of us. Yeah, yeah, I think that that sounds about right. <laughs> Just a man and his pie. What more could you need? Yeah, uh, truly. ice cream. It turns out would have been incredible with the pie. Uh, I mean, you see it, though, when you're like 350, just grab it and go. You get too excited. You don't think about those things. Um, football, though. Does anybody have any, like, quick football takes that you, you want to get off your chest before we jump into the structure of the show? Sure, I mean, I'll go real quick. That is my entire outline. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> my football takes <laughs> every subject we're covering today, but I'm, I'm excited to hear what Justin has for us. No, just, you know, there's, I think most people that listen to this pod, not everyone, but a lot of people that listen to this pod probably, you know, also kind of interested in what's been happening locally. Obviously a lot of debate about, you know, what was going to happen this weekend with CU and CSU. And, you know, there, there are upset people on both sides, and I get it. You, you want to play as many games as possible, especially when teams are healthy. But I just, I just urge everyone to consider college football is political. It always has been. It always will be. Nobody's just going to willingly give up a home game. It doesn't work like that. And teams, like, in a perfect world, yeah, we'll play anytime, anywhere. That's the type of cliches that coaches love to spout. But it's not that simple. It just isn't. We got to move on. It sucks. We'll get an RMS in a couple of years. That's sad. wow. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It is sad, but um, he ain't no. wrong. And 
college yeah. football sure is political. That is true. That's well, the most political that. sport there is. It's like up there with gymnastics and like figure skating. Interesting. I never thought. Because again, it's judged in the same way, like randomly by a panel of people. Yeah. And when that's the case, sports become political. Um, so there you go. I mean, who thought we would start off with the figure skating college football analogy like that two minutes into the show? Henry had barely finished his ad read. So with some pie talk. Yeah, with some pie talk, which was kind of a, a pregame goal coming into this, you could say. It's been on my mind. <laughs> I haven't had a conversation that hasn't included that pie in, well, I guess in the 24 hours since I got that pie. It's almost gone. Um, football, though, let's start with J.C. Horn. Jace, is it Jace or J.C.? First question. I, think you it's totally I believe it's Jace. Okay. Oh, is it? Oh, sp- well, they, I have no that clue. was far from consensus. So. <laughs> that, that's rough. Uh, just for anybody out there, spell J-A-Y-C-E. Take your pick, I guess. Horn, um, the quarterback. So, so he's like a projected first-round pick, right, guys? Is this a potential like Broncos target? Potentially, I think so. I mean, he had that big game against Auburn. I haven't exactly kept up with him since then. But I told, I said at the time when we were talking about it, that was the most impressive game from a corner I've seen so far this year. Uh, the ball skills were off the charts. His technique was there. It was just, it was almost, it was teach tape, honestly. Two interceptions shut down Seth Williams, one of the most imposing physically uh, dominant wide receivers in the country. That was really good. I just watched him against Florida and um, thought he held his own, even when asked to play against Cal Pitts. And people love, love those products of that must tramp defense. They play a lot of man. Uh, he can be a little too handsy, but he's a guy who'd really raised his stock in these first couple months, especially with that Auburn game. Will Muschamp gets fired. Um, I think he realized he'd done enough, and he said, okay, I'm going to take my ball and go home. I mean, he's a dude with great ball skills, like you pointed out. What I really like about him is how physical he is. Obviously, it is going to draw some penalties every really now and physical. then, mm-hmm. but but when it's on, it's on. And he's just one of those dudes that's he's going to get in wide receivers' heads, and I think that was kind of a factor in that Auburn game. Anytime that you know you ball out in one of the, the program's biggest wins of the last, uh, God, probably 25 years, I know Auburn's a big-time pro or South Carolina big-time program, sort of, SEC, but yeah. they hadn't beaten Auburn since, like, the 50s. So yeah, it was a huge deal, and he balled out. I think, I think he's, you know, not going any later than the second round. Yeah, I think he also took advantage of some situations with other cornerbacks in this class, and that allowed his stock to yes. really bump up. I mean, Caleb Big Farley time. hasn't played. Yep. Uh, Tyson Campbell really hasn't looked too good. And then Sean Wade is kind of um, – I don't want to say he's been bad, but we're, we're kind of looking at him now as more of a slot guy rather than yep. as that true outside guy that he was expected to be coming into this year. Darian Kendrick hasn't looked great. Paulson Adebo uh, uh, opted out, Not so yeah. he's really took – advantage of the opportunity in a massive way and now we don't even get to watch him on saturdays which kind of sucks for us um the physicality definitely stands out love what justin said about him he's a guy who you watch tape and you think like i would not want to play wide receiver against him um and you know tyson campbell jumped up early in the year he's kind of in that tier he's not up there with patrick certain or maybe even caleb farley who's got freakier talents. Um, 
but he's up there. And Israel Mukuamu, the bigger South Carolina corner who had a massive game in South Carolina's upset of Georgia a year ago, he opted out this year. So Jace Horn kind of became their top guy, um, took advantage of that. Then they fire his head coach and he dips out, but he's a, he's definitely a target and he makes up this. It's always kind of a deep cornerback class. I mean, the way college football is, you need to have a lot of wide receivers, a lot of cornerbacks. So it's no surprise that there's usually an abundance of choice at these positions, but he's in this bigger tier of like eh, late first, early second. Like you might be a nice starter. You might be even a high end starter. I like that upside, but there's not a ton of tape. There's not a ton of tape of you being that guy. So it's going to get wacky come combine where it's like, there are 20 guys in a tier and now two, you know, tenths of a second are going to make all the difference in that. But that's where, you know, what Jake said comes back into play and just, no, he doesn't have a ton of film, but he has more recent film than a lot of these guys do and in, yes. in big games against big opponents. And, you know, I think GMs are going to trust that, that what they've seen maybe even more so than a normal year, just because who knows how many in-person workouts they're even going to get with all this COVID stuff. It's, yeah. I mean, the, the draft, the combine, everything's in flux right now so you got to trust you know what you've actually seen on the field yeah 100 percent. and henry we don't care that he's opted out right like that's a factor for all these players this isn't the same conversation it was when guys were opting out of bulls like a year ago no i don't think so i think at this point i mean what do you want him to do like you want him to keep yeah. playing at south True. carolina when everybody else is getting a chance to spend the next yeah. month and a half working, getting ready for the combine and just getting even more of a head start. You know, think of a guy like Paulson Adebo uh, from Stanford, a cornerback who was an All-American, burst onto the scene, I, I think as a freshman, he might have been an All-American. And, and he's just yeah, been like a, a sophomore. Uh, oh, as a sophomore was what it was. And so then this year, he opts out, doesn't play. Yeah, I don't mind that. And you yeah. have to factor in that now Paulson's had the last three months instead of playing college football, just getting ready for the combine. You talk about that massive fear of cornerbacks and how tight all the separation is going to be. I mean, if, if you have any reason to opt out, I think you should take it at this point. Yeah. No in, unless you like really do need the tape, tape. But like you said, like Jace Horney has gone out there and shut down Seth Williams. There's no reason to like prove yourself against Bama's receivers. Leave that question mark there. Get out and get ready for the combine. Mike Bobo never been known for lethal secondaries, so. <laughs> oh, boy. Shots, Mike. That's a, I Now, I don't want to talk out of my ass, but I would venture to say just thinking off the top of my head that cornerback is the position we have the most opt-outs at this point. Yeah. Opt-outs and opting into the NFL draft already because, like, all of Oregon's secondaries in Paulson Adibo's in. We just listed off like 10 other dudes. Um, you add Jace Horn to the mix. I guess I'm a Jace guy, I suppose. Yeah, I'm going with Jace too. That you know, it's like uh 
if I'm going to be wrong, I'd rather be wrong with like a name like Jace instead of like JC, JC, you know, like yeah. 20 episodes of me being on tape saying JC like a jackass. I, I'm, be, extra- I'm pretty that. sure it's Jace. I watched a decent amount of South Carolina because of Colin Hill this year. And um, see, the, that the tough didn't part though is like you watch it, but then you also have like games on like two other screens and you only get sound for one. It's yeah. true. And That's so even idea. if like you watch a whole bunch of games, you only get like three that you had sound for every week. Yeah, if Gus yeah. Johnson is calling anything, I'm going to have his sound on even if that game sucks. Mm. Okay. okay. Mm. I could get there. Um, yeah, that's not a bad call. Any more Jace Horn or cornerback thoughts or are we ready to move along? I think Fairley has higher upside just you know, with what Andre said, especially that just freak yeah. athleticism. Yeah. But I, I do think there is something and I think he's a he's a safe pick. I'm not sure he's going to be, you know, like an all pro cornerback at the next level, but I, I see him being a guy who could contribute as a number two, number three guy. I think what this is meaning is Patrick Sertain keeps separating himself a little more from the rest of the group. Because um, honestly, all these guys, I like them. Patrick Sertain's the one guy I'm fairly con- the one guy with size and like upper echelon pedigree that I'm confident putting the stamp of lockdown man corner on uh, fairly for freak for his size, the way he runs his ball skills freakish, but off the line, his like immediate quick twitch again, pretty damn good for a man, his size, but not at that. Like he's a perfect cover three Seattle style Legion of boom, what they're doing in San Francisco. What like half of the rest of the league is doing at this point. He fits that mold. Well, and horn who is playing a lot of man in college or has, I do wonder if, um, if he's going to fit that mold more as well. If like his physicality, um is gonna actually suit him better in, in more of a cover three where he just has to play that sideline zone he can press up at the line and be physical plenty at the line of scrimmage and then he's always gonna have safety help over the top that that might be his I best like that a lot and there's a lot of dudes like that in this class yeah hmm. um all right let's uh let's talk some Kyle Trask. you know he's a guy who I don't think that we've really bought into all that much as like a group, but he just keeps putting up numbers. And after dropping 63 points last week, where does he stand among the rest of this quarterback class? Oh man. Hard to argue against him right now. And I've, I've never really been that big of a believer, but. He just keeps going out there and putting up absurd numbers. And even without Kyle Pitts, he's in the top three, probably. So, look, my thing about uh, Trask here is, you know, he's been very impressive. You know, kind of mobility, thrown in the tight windows, stuff like that. Um, I just think he's Andre and I were kind of talking about this. He's kind of more of that old breed of quarterback. Um, I don't know how athletic he is exactly. And if that will exactly translate, Um, you know, we've seen guys like Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, all these guys, they're athletic. You can kind of utilize them in the QB run game, as well as kind of extending uh, the passing game uh, out of the tackle box, um, you know, kind of out on the perimeter. 
does he have that in him? I'm not too sure, but he does throw a pretty ball and can really make some tight window throws that are pretty impressive. Well, and how he's handling pressure is what's really stood out to me. Um, he navigates the pocket nicely. His arm doesn't jump out at you, but he's so consistently accurate. Um, and look, he accentuates the qualities of those Gators wide receiving core, which is one of the best, if not the best in the country. But that is also part of great ball placement. I think a lot of times we see wide receivers making stretched out tougher grabs and you think, oh, he got bailed out by his wide receiver. To me, a lot of those throws are truly perfect ball placement. It's ball placement right at the utmost limit where your guy has a chance and the other guy has none. And at worst, your guy misses it because you put it in that spot where it was just, but you're almost like forcing your wide receiver to be in just that spot where just he can make that. And you see that a lot from Trask. And uh, he's big. He moves well in the pocket, even though his mobility is really not great. His eyes are always ahead. And he reminds me of Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers has a huge hitch in the throwing motion. Trask has a huge, like, hitch in his like hips he doesn't need to get him squared up to generate a lot of power on his throws or accuracy and he'll almost do like little jump throws or be leaning like forward with his hips again like more square to the line than like aligned and facing the throw you know like a pitcher you want your shoulders aligned to where you're throwing the ball he's just like square like this facing you straight on but it's still it's working for him and it's crazy to think this guy barely played in high school because he was behind Derek king uh he didn't play in college until midway through last season and as soon as he started playing the gators completely flipped the switch and they haven't unflipped that switch since He's not going to fit those Bill Parcells quarterback rule criteria, Jake. You know all about those because yeah. mm-hmm. he's not going to have enough starts. But man, his tape, he just keeps stacking up consistent tape after consistent tape. And while he's not the type that I gravitate to, it's undeniable what he's doing against the competition. He's doing it. And I don't know. I mean, dudes like this used to be top 10 picks automatically. Now it's going to be a real nice referendum in how a 6'5", 240-pound accurate guy who's not super mobile is still valued in the modern NFL. Yeah, to go back to your point, last year, though, when he was basically promoted the starter, it was Felipe Franks, and that switch, that flip for Florida when Trask entered the game, it was apparent, like two drives in, and it was really a wonder. I mean, why was he on the bench for so long? So... It is kind of an underdog story to really see this guy really come out of nowhere, start in the middle of the season last year, and now he's really elevated his stock to, I'd say, knocking on the door of top 50 at this point. I don't think – I mean, you said he would be maybe 10 years ago a top 10 pick. I don't know if he is really even scratching the first round here, especially when you have the talent at quarterback that we do. Um, I mean, Derek King's another conversation we could get into about guys that are kind of or quarterbacks knocking on the door of the top 50 um, but it's a completely different skill set Derek King almost like the modern day quarterback whereas Kyle Trask kind of uh, you know 10 years ago maybe yeah. yeah I think that that's a great analysis of what he is um, and I think that we need to emphasize like again I know that I do this a lot but his deep ball is just 
incredible. Like, he's so accurate, hasn't thrown a pick. Like, that's the type of thing that really separates somebody to me, especially somebody who isn't all that mobile, somebody who isn't, like, stressing the line of scrimmage, stressing the linebackers away that, you know, a, a Zach Wilson might, or definitely like a Trey Lance would. Having the ability to stretch the back end of the defense as much as he does is huge for him. Um, I think he is a first-round pick right now. And it's not necessarily because I think he should be or I think that he fits well with where the NFL is going. But I think that one of these GMs that does need a quarterback is going to be of a more old-school mindset who looks at Kyle Trask and says, this was a top-10 pick a few years ago. He, he does all of these different things. And, and I don't think that's going to be – you know, Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay or Andy Reid or any of these more forward thinking guys. But I do think somebody is going to say, this is our guy. How about Pittsburgh? Yeah. Yeah. He'd look real nice in in Pittsburgh guys. He'd look real nice in Indy. I was saying this to you guys in our chat. He was. Instead of Phil Rivers, he would look really nice. But yeah, and that's the thing. I wonder how much draft Knicks and the internet think it this way and maybe even some scouts who watch you know their living is watching college football and those are the sources those draft Knicks have right but what happens when the season's over and then those coaches get in the mix in the prospect eval and those coaches would much rather a guy like Trask who and I had to take a couple double takes was taking snaps under center which is like witnessing a dinosaur. It's like finding a fossil out in the wild nowadays um, to see that in college football um, and just putting up numbers. He, he plays in a spread attack, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. He's, he's such an interesting question. I think even more so than Mac Jones, who like Mac Jones, yeah, the mobility doesn't fit, but Mac Jones is so perfectly suited for a vert heavy, more spread out, like simplified read kind of offense, you know, like he does kind of fit what we're looking for. Just get um, Mac Jones to Atlanta, please. Uh, you know, and, and with Kyle Trask, it is important to note, like, you know, we've kind of been waiting for the fall off, you know, maybe against Georgia a couple weeks ago, but he dropped 44, 63 last week. And then you look at the schedule going forward. Vanderbilt, Florida's a 31 and a half point favorite, then Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU. Kyle Trask's numbers shouldn't be dropping anytime soon. Yeah. And that Georgia game is what turned me around. And Arkansas, you might think, well, 63, big whoop. Arkansas was the best secondary in the SEC coming into that week. And he didn't have Kyle Pitts in that game. Um, so he's just doing whatever he wants, regardless of the opponent. Um, and he's now because of that fairly easy schedule you just described, um, you know, they've paved a way for them to face off against, I guess we know it's going to be Bama. Um, and let's, let's again, I get too confident. I don't want to put any jinxes into the universe. That Bama secondary we'll see with certain, but. It's not the same Bama back seven in years past. So I, I expect that to be another 40 burger. And as we know, when you put 40 burgers up against Bama, 
that's kind of a historical event. Like I can trace back all the quarterbacks that have done that and it changed their draft stock significantly. It did for Manziel who won the Heisman off of that. It did for Deshaun Watson, who wasn't even talked about as was more a fringe first rounder and was a top 10 pick after doing that back-to-back years against Bama. Um, the one exception of course is <laughs> um, old swaggy Kelly who did that at Ole Miss and then uh, <laughs> That was the end of that. Nothing came from that. But everyone else who lights up Bama. Get him drafted. He did Mr. Irrelevant. You are correct. You are correct. But he, he's a little different from Deshaun and Cam Newton and, uh, you know, these other guys. Trevor Lawrence and what have you. Um, so, you know, again, Kyle, and, and if Kyle Trask then enters that conversation, well, this quarterback class in 2020, guys, yeah. um, uh, 2021, geez. I've been doing that because I was still thinking of the NBA. It, it's so weird to be in mid-November and still be thinking, oh, a, a 2020 draft just occurred. Yeah, my, my It's like video games, right? Like, oh, it might be the year 2020, but it's FIFA 21, so I'm already, that's where I'm at. Or it's, I'm thinking ahead to the 2021 draft, so that's the year we're in. I'm so off. I'm so, this is insanity. Anyways, <laughs> but Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, to the big three that we already knew were the big three coming into the season in Fields, Lawrence, Trey Lance. You know, that's not even bringing up the Liberty Kid, who I love, and some of these other intriguing quarterbacks. We might really have ourselves an all-timer. I'm not so sure Trey Lance is going to end up being a top three QB guy that goes. And I and I don't hate him, but I, from what I've seen out of some of these other guys, I feel a lot more confident taking those guys than I do feel with Trey Lance at this point. And I'll take that gamble with eating crow. It's whatever. For me, as somebody who kind of is a Trey Lance hater and has been looking for a quarterback to put in front of him because I don't, if, if I'm the third team taking a quarterback, I don't want to be getting Trey Lance, if I'm being honest. Like, I have seen more than enough to justify not taking Trey Lance third. Like, to me, I, I think I'd re- – I don't, I don't want to say anything crazy, but with Zach Wilson, Kyle Trask, and Mac Jones, I mean, I, he might be outside my top five. I mean, I think it's Zach Wilson easily over Trey Lance at this point. I mean, if someone wants to fight for Trey Lance in that debate, I'm all ears because I'd be very interested to hear what the heck the the argument could possibly be. Yeah. I mean, I love that we used to talk about, you know, that idiots used to talk about Lamar Jackson as more of a wide receiver than a quarterback. If there was ever a quarterback where that was allowed to be a conversation, it's Trey Lance, folks. Um, But anyway... Upside galore, and with where the Broncos are at, we're going to get into needs. A stack 2021 class compared to a 2022 class, which, hey, Sam Howell's had his moments. Um, There's some nice talent in the Pac-12 at quarterback that, you know, the Oregon kid who I like, whose name I truly cannot pronounce. Um, You know, but the... 2022 is not 2021, guys. No, far from it. Well, I mean, not yet. It'll, it'll depend on when Sam Neuer declares, but okay. <laughs> Justin, did you have anything for us? I was just going to say before we. Oh, go ahead. 
Go what ahead, does Hank. Sam Neuer have to do to be drafted this year? Because it's like he has almost nothing on tape. Yeah. Nothing comes into this year. He has a Pac-12 Player of the Week award. He's, you know, pro football focuses highest graded Pac-12 quarterback. And, you know, if he keeps up this pace, does he get drafted? Does he need to do more? Like, I'm just, I honestly have no idea. I think you got to come back and take advantage of that eligibility loophole this year. Probably. Yeah, especially with how deep this class is, and you're already fighting an uphill battle as it is just because of when Colorado started playing this year compared to these other teams. I think the eligibility loophole might be more in play for him than some of these other guys that are eligible but not quite seniors. I mean, it almost makes sense why the Pac-12 has had more opt-outs and fewer opt-ins since the season's come back. Because it's true when you think about it, what are what is it? Five games, Hank? No, with this one canceled, he'll have six games on tape plus a bowl game, probably. It's like what's what are six games really going to make a difference? It's, but then again, if he keeps up this pace, then you're stuck. I mean, shoot! I saw Cardell Jones go on day two of the draft. He had like seriously two good games on tape. Draft as well. Three times he's thrown for 200 yards. (laughs) Yes. I I mean, you're not wrong, Henry. You're not wrong. (laughs) I don't know. It's whoever has to make these decisions is going to have a much tougher time this year than they have in the past. That's all I'm. Yeah. No. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. Um phenomenal discussion thank you fellas that was great and i think you know it really kind of as we mentioned it's all part of this broncos uh view that you have henry we took our um we really dug into that which i love but i think we need to take a break and then get back to some more notes some questions and then we will preview the upcoming week which might be a fun one i I like indiana ohio state We'll, we'll see about the rest of the slide well, week 10 of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week 11. And there's no better place to get in on all of the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week 11, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their campus offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the app store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to earn a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 when signing up using promo code DNBR. DraftKings Sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet, from live betting to betting on your favorite players. They do it all. Don't worry if football isn't for you because DraftKings is giving all MMA fans who sign up now the chance to triple their winnings for any bet placed on UFC 255. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNBR when you sign up and get up to $1,000. That's code DNBR to get a deposit bonus up to $1,000. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older. Colorado only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Beautiful. Nicely done, Hank. Um, Thank you. By the way, I wanted to say Kyle Trask, the old schoolness, since I have been obsessed with the NBA draft uh, the past two weeks and that just finished up. Um, 
kind of similar to a guy like Isaiah Stewart, the big center out of Washington, uh, a stud, played really well in his first year of college basketball, but an old school game, which is why he is not coveted the way he would have been 10 years ago. And it's interesting to see how these sports are changing. In hockey, we see it with how guys are smaller and faster. Um, and it's just it's just part of where we're at. And I love I love seeing that through the draft and being able to see those trends as they're coming ahead. You know, it's weird. Um, and I like I like that you brought up Isaiah Stewart because he's a guy that's like yeah he's a six foot nine big man who you know uh, he's shown flashes of an ability to shoot but doesn't really shoot and. To me, though, as somebody who covers Colorado, and he was at Washington, and so I got to see him play live a couple of times, I don't know how that man wasn't the first guy taken in the draft. Like, like the Buffs fans think they have Tyler Bay, the greatest player in, you know, the entire Pac-12, and he gets swatted by Isaiah Stewart three times in one game on Isaiah's way to, like, 20-whatever points and 15 rebounds and a bunch of blocks and all that kind of stuff, and you look at him and he made of muscle and it just doesn't make any sense like it is very much like looking at Kyle Trask doing what he's doing now and it's just it's it's hard to talk yourself out of Kyle Trask if you just look at the numbers yeah yeah for sure for sure um we had a nice little running back discussion on the last pod and after an absurd performance, I just wanted to add CJ Verdell into that mix, the Oregon running back. Um, one of the few guys who probably had the status to opt out this year decides to come back. He's looked really good this year. Um, despite just being 210 pounds, the dude runs with so much power and uh, like did I feel like I maybe missed just a smidge on Zach Moss and undervalued the power element of his game. I definitely missed on guys like James Robinson and Mike Davis, um, obviously much more undervalued running backs to start with. Um, but again, what I think I underestimated the power, that ability to get downhill, break tackles, be physical, be an imposing force. Verdell at 210 pounds does that in spades. He does it as a runner up the gut on these outside kind of spread runs. Um, and he's doing it more as a receiver. So he's really intriguing. I would throw him in my top five for sure of running backs, which keeps evolving. And I wonder if that's a position we'd like from the Broncos, but just wanted to throw that out there. Actually, that was one of the notes I had for this episode is, are we sure Phil's going to be back? I mean, Look. <laughs> he is restricted. And that's, not, I think that's the big key is the, the restricted aspect. But And if, if you let him go, you have to replace him. Like, I don't think you can run it back with Melvin Gordon and Royce Freeman. No, you can't at all, which is why there are some very intriguing running backs coming out this year. Here's a nice class. Okay, the Phil thing's an, a very interesting conversation. If we want to do this, let's do it. Um, because... Yeah. Phil is, he's awesome. Don't get me wrong. He's great. He's got a skill set. He's got a place. But when you are as small as he is, you don't really have as much of an impact in the passing game as other backs, you know, that are top 10, top 15 in the league. It does kind of make it hard to fit him in, which is what we're seeing this year. I mean, when Melvin Gordon came in, that was the issue. It was, okay, now how are you going to split carries between the two? You saw earlier in the year, Melvin Gordon was kind of that bell cow type. And 
Philip Lindsay really didn't have as much of an impact when he was playing that change of pace role. He actually, yeah. I mean, he really does need touches, but you just have to worry because he does get injured, not at an alarming rate, but he's a smaller guy and he does get injured and you're not going to get a lot of that pass pro stuff um, from him. So it's, he's a great player, but you do kind of, you know, pigeonhole yourself with his skill set a bit. Yeah. Well, and so atypical for a small back in that he's at his best running north south up the gut. Yeah. Um, and and that if he what they could give him 20 touches if only three of those touches came in that manner, and the other 17 came on more outside one-on-one stuff where you're operating on the perimeter. But because he's operating up the middle, the 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 just the physical nature of how he plays combined with his frame do make him i mean for one a a gd legend because he's just amazing to watch play a guy that size do the things that he does but at the same time yeah it's uh i think it's been a problem throughout his career for coaches trying to figure out how to fit him in there um so sorry i cut you off there yeah i think that he he just isn't a great fit with melvin gordon first of all i think that when you have Phil, he just has such a particular skill set. And, and when you know how to use it, you can get a lot out of him. And, and that means a lot of running the ball under center, a lot of running the ball with a fullback. He does very well in those situations. And then he can do other stuff as well. But then, like, the fact that he still isn't always catching a football, like, you just, you just can't afford to be dropping balls when you have Phil's skill set, when you do have such a particular set of strengths that if you just added one more thing, just being a little bit better receiver, it really would add a whole bunch more value to him as a player. You know, you think back to, to me, that Falcons game, everybody wanted to write the Broncos off and I get it. They look really bad. And Broncos Twitter was a really toxic place for that entire second half, but they did have the ball needing 80 yards with 40 seconds on the clock. At the very least, you you expect you should be able to get yourself a Hail Mary attempt or something. And early on that drive, there's just a little check down to Phil across the middle. You hit Phil in the hands there. He's going to go pick up 10, 15 yards. And then all of a sudden, you got the ball moving. And that's just a big drop. You've seen him just get mauled on one of the pass protections. I can't remember if that was that, that same week or if that was the week after. But he tried to pick Oh, that up. was the week after. It wasn't the week after. He tried to pick up an edge rusher. And he just gets run over, and it's not his fault. He's though. really good in pass pro, though. He's I mean, really he good in pass pro for right a there, size. Though. He got I, mauled. That can happen to anyone from time to They are atrocious in picking up the blitz, just in general. So at, at least yeah. someone picked it up and got mauled. I'd take that more than letting guys run free all the time. So, yeah. For sure. But I digress. For sure. I digress. For sure. But like the, my final point here is like, I love Phil and I think that he's a good football player and I want to see him back for sure. But it's not like he is like at this point, a, a total game changing back because they yeah, haven't no. put him on the field a lot, but he hasn't done much when they have, at least in the last couple of weeks, you know, there was getting blown up there, dropping the pass last year, like the only, or last week, they only gave him four touches, but he picked up two yards and I don't know. I don't know. It's probably more on the offensive line. He is relying on that as well, but it's just a tough situation. Yeah. It's, I like it's, what that sparked. 
<laughs> yes. I was going to say, Justin, it was, it's something I've thought about before and it's a very interesting conversation just because, I mean, the contract situation put into it, the, his actual mm-hmm. skill set, his role, it's just, it's really interesting. They shouldn't well, have I've... paid Melvin. They shouldn't have paid Melvin. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you look at what Booker's doing. Can't you just imagine Phil in a better situation in the right offense? Like Phil's going to get picked up by the 49ers. Then watch what happens. Oh, gosh, yeah. Seriously. Seriously. But, I mean, four carries, two yards last week. The week before, eight carries, 23 yards. Targets four times over the course of those two games. None of no, them. It's been injured. Like the whole offense has been so bad for a couple of weeks. Like you can't just put it on him, but he certainly hasn't helped it. He also hasn't well, been any opportunities. What it, let's flip that scenario real quick. Let's say he leaves. Let's say somebody's willing to to give up yeah, the yeah. draft pick and they sign him. Who should Denver target? Kyle Hill. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Verdell. I mean, Verdell looks great. I, I, I am slowly falling in love with Javante Williams. Too. Oh my God, bro. I was just going to say, if they have a chance to get a guy that's not like a premium draft pick, Javante Williams is the guy, man. He's that's all my guy. Yeah. He's great. I just I mean, enjoy watching UNC right now. One, cause their uniforms pop. They always have the freshest uniforms every single week, but got Javante Howell's fun too, but Javante Williams and I mean they got a nice duo really but yeah he, he's just a stud man Javante's a freight train he's yes. got long speed but he's a freight that's what I'm saying this running back class feels like it's built a little different like yeah. these 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 dudes are a little they're a little cuckoo they're a little reckless like they'll run you over do not mess around with this class of running backs uh USC's got um hyphenated uh Polynesian kid who just like he was trucking people. He was trucking defenders for Arizona um, this weekend. Before we move on to some questions and previews, um, Nick, uh, Nick, none of us are named Nick. Um, Jake, uh, <laughs> you, we, we were given an assignment by our good friend Justin, uh, who pointed out to us that one of his Rammies is performing quite well per PFF. You were actually a a, a good man. You went and did your homework. I instead have been wasting time on NBA draft prospects for the two weeks and I'm lost in that trance. So please tell us what you have found. Sure. So it's actually uh, two guys, really, Trey McBride and Scott Patchen, the edge um, for CSU. I thought Scott Patchen was really impressive in the game against Boise. Um, he had some noticeable pop and strength in his hands. He was, you know, penetrating pretty consistently in the first half. He had some, uh, he had a sack in the mid uh, first quarter and then he just completely demolished a couple run plays. I mean, he just took on the polling guard and just created a pile. And then the most interesting part about is that game I thought was in the second half, Boise state really started to pay attention to him. They started shifting protection to him. They started double teaming him, triple teaming him, chipping him with backs, um, they were not going to let him beat them, although the score did kind of get out of hand, which wasn't even really the offense or defense's fault in that game. It was terrible special teams by CSU. Um, but Scott Patchen, he's he's an interesting guy because I don't know athletically if he's good enough to really be that you know top 50, even top 100 guy. I do think there will probably be a lot of guys that pass him up on, in the edge class just on athleticism. 
but mm-hmm. he's, you know, we, we talked about it with AJ Epinesa last year. He was kind of a raw strength guy that wasn't really too athletic that a lot of teams weren't a big fan on, but he still went fairly high. I don't know if he goes as high as that, but he's interesting um, in the edge conversation. And then Trey McBride, we could have very yeah. similar conversation about him just because I don't know how athletic he is, but man, he just makes plays and he blocks his ass off. He's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. McBride's really good. Could Patchen be kind of an Epinesa where we talk ourselves into uh, pack on 15, 20 pounds and slide them inside to five tech or something. Maybe he's more natural there. I think he's so. Um, it's multiple good O-lines. That, I think that's one mm-hmm. factor that people are going to undervalue too. CSU hasn't, you know, they're not going to play the, the brutal schedule that other teams are going to go up against, but Wyoming and Boise state, those are two of the better G five O lines in the country. And Fresno state's no slouch either. They're running the football down everybody's throat right now. I don't, he's getting, he's getting through at about 20% rate when he is pressuring. I mean, he's, he's putting up numbers. That, that's all. That's all I'm saying. I didn't really mean to interrupt you there, Jake. No, but you're fine. I just think that's an important factor to consider. It's not like, you know, he's mauling UNM or something like that. He's going against right. legit competition. Right. Yeah, I mean, doing it again against Boise. It's no joke. Mm-hmm. And does it again against Air Force. We'll be paying attention. That's for sure. That's for sure. Well, um, I might have to do less detailed uh, rundowns every week. I've been loving the free-flowing discussions this has led to um, and even got some local prospect talk in between Sam Neuer and some of the better Rammies guys. Hank, do we have another break? Is oh. this an ad free break right here? This is a break with an ad. Ah, oh, there you go. There you go. Nice. Nice. Hey, yeah. hey, when when you stack them like that, I, I figured as much, but I was just double checking. We've got a fun week to to get into. I want to talk about Indiana. We've got some more picks to make. We are on an absolute heater, by the way, after how we dominated a week ago. But before we get into that. Hankster, what you got for us? If you are in the Denver area, stop by the DMVR bar and try Strava's incredible cold brew. Yep, we've got the very finest of cold brew on tap at the DMVR bar. Swing on in and try it sometime. You won't be disappointed. Yes, Justin? Should we change that slightly with the bar closing? Yep, you can you do that until Friday. Eight hours to get to the DMVR <laughs> bar and, and get some coffee. Or are we open tomorrow? We're open till Friday. But as it's you're going to point out in the rest of the read, the beauty of Strava is that you can't make it to the bar because everything's shut down now. Strava's got you covered with their on-demand subscription plans. They can deliver it to you every couple weeks, every three weeks. You know, if you're a degenerate like Henry who just drinks cold brew, you can sign up for every 48 hours if you need to. So there you go. Anything will work. No, you can't. Second of all, (laughs) I'm not a degenerate for drinking cold brew. If you want to pick something else, go right ahead. But for drinking too much cold brew, Mm. I I, I feel like there are worse things in the world. Um, But yeah, Ray kind of took my thunder there and said all the things I was going to say, except that. Strava Craft Coffee is CBD-infused coffee, which means Ooh, yeah. it can change your life, and in a good way. Um, it will help with body aches and pains, or like headaches. I know Justin gets some headaches sometimes, so maybe he should have some more Strava Craft Coffee. Um, so if you're like Justin and have something wrong with you, drink some Strava Craft Coffee. 
Uh, subscribe so you can get it every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks, um, not 48 hours. Um, and you can get 20% off any product that you're subscribing to. It's a great deal. And uh, if you uh, can't or don't want to commit for whatever reason, you can also just get yourself a single order and get 20% off that first order using the code DNVR20. You can get grounds or whole beans or cake cups. Just make sure you get some travel crap pop. Nicely done. Do it. Do it. All right. Uh, big matchup of the week in the Big Ten. Indiana going to Ohio State. Indiana's been just an amazing story. Um, they've been so fun. That offense is clicking. I don't know that he's a prospect, but their quarterback's playing great. Um, they're making that all work. What's his name? Phoenix? Is that how I pronounce it? Phoenix. There you go. What is it? Phoenix. Phoenix? Well, oh. without the H. Like oh, Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix. Oh, okay, okay. That's the I'm not falling into that trap. Oh, trust me, I know it's dangerous. <laughs> My favorite prospects from Indiana. Indiana classic, those the power five teams that have that random good season, they're always doing it because some guys out on the perimeter are exceeding expectations. And out wide and their their quarterbacks playing great, even though we can't even learn his name. Um, they've got Jamar Johnson, their safety, physical safety, big 10 defensive player of the week, Florida kid, a uh, kind of a hybrid safety nickel guy who can play close to the line, real physical. Um, and then on offense is that wide receiver. Try Ty. How do I pronounce his name? I'm going to go with Fry Ty Fogel. Fogel? Fry Fogel. Yeah. You watch like college football scoreboard. It's just, Fry Fogel highlights, and yet again, my, my brain's fried. I, I can't figure out how to pronounce any any names, but they're really making it happen with this great receiving core. They're just making plays out on the perimeter and in the trenches. They're holding up just enough. And with how Ohio State's good, not great in the trenches this year, maybe that's the Plus trick. I don't know. Plus six fifty. Mm, yeah, no, Look, no, that no, money no. line is dangerous, but because you know they're they're twenty and a half point dogs. But I'm just saying, if you're an Indiana believer, now is the week to cash in on it. As a uh, non-Indiana believer, let me just try to <laughs> counteract some of what Dre said about that plus six fifty. So yeah, Indiana surprisingly four and zero. It started in incredible fashion with a highlight play in overtime when Phoenix is running around the edge, diving through contact, like barely getting the ball in the end zone. It was a long review, ends the game, incredible finish. It was against Penn State, ranked number eight at the time. Turns out Penn State, though, not good at football. Then the yeah. next week, a 16-point win on the road against Rutgers. This isn't the worst Rutgers team. It's still a Rutgers team, though. From there, yeah. you have Michigan and Michigan State. Nothing you do that matters. You might as well be playing Rutgers. Like, and, and now here we are, and they're four and zero. And sure, it's fun, but or Ohio State's a twenty and a half point favorite, and I think I'm taking Ohio State. Boo! Indiana's a, what college football is all about. But you're, he's spot on, guys. He's Ohio State's going to annihilate them this weekend. But it's it, it's been a fun ride. Yeah, really? it's, 
and I it's a big I number, man. It's a huge number that, I mean, maybe you got a backdoor cover possibility, but just you just got to look at the talent. I mean, everywhere else besides wide receiver and quarterback. I mean, even quarterback, Ohio State's got an advantage over Indiana. Huge. So it's it's an uphill battle Indiana's fighting this week. I think I'm going to take Buckeyes minus 20. Wow. I, I mean, you guys Three scores is dangerous. I'll say Indiana's been competitive. Wrong. They don't turn the ball over, and they force turnovers. Yeah. They've got, I think, 10 picks already through four games. That's legit. I mean – but yeah. you're playing Justin Fields. But yeah, yeah. Now, the thing is, Buckeyes run game, not great. So that, you know, keeps it a little more open. And that defense, very unconvincing. I mean, can they get after? Can they get after the quarterback here to stifle that passing game enough? I don't know. The thing is, they do have the guys in the secondary to probably do them. Uh, I will take the plus 20 and a half, though. I'm a... Uh, I can't in good conscience take a minus 20 and a half in November in college football. Um, so it's not a regular November. It is not a regular November. You can say that again. Prospect wise, we get Trevor Lawrence back against FSU in that defense. 50 burger. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Let's see Florida state. I mean, they've been kind of a roller coaster all year Yeah, and I mean, even the prospects. I mean, you've seen good games from Marvin Wilson. You've seen horrible games from Marvin Wilson. Asante Samuels made some plays. He's also disappeared. So, I mean, it's going to be nice to have Trevor Lawrence back. I mean, I'm assuming there might be some rust, but I'm expecting him to be Trevor Lawrence and kind of re-enter the Heisman talk here. Um, Agreed. Do we have a line on this? Yep, 35 and a half. Oh, gosh. Stay away from that. I mean, I think they're yeah. gonna you're gonna beat the hell out of them, but it's just basically like what Andre said. As somebody that's lost on these ridiculous lines so many times because I talked myself into the talent disparity, you know. But what happens so many times is they take the foot off in the second half, and I don't see this game being particularly close. They could cover it. It wouldn't shock me if Clemson won this game by 40, but I think it's more of a situation where they you know, Florida State hangs for a little bit. Clemson pulls away. We see him lighten up in the second half. They end up winning by about, you know, 24-ish. You can, one, can go Clemson over 48 and a half if you think it's a 50 burger. I like that I like it. That's pretty nice. Does Greg um, have a line on the number of punts from Clemson? That can be no. <laughs> like under two punts? I like that. Sadly not. To go back to Justin's point real quick, if Clemson does take their foot off the gas, they do have a guy who just set the Clemson single game record for passing yards and DJ Uyunglele against Notre Dame. So when they take the foot off the gas, you're still getting a, I mean, top five, at least a bona fide first round pick coming in. So great point. That's true. I mean, if you, I guess if we really want to like think through it, if let's say they get up by enough to cover, they take out all of the starters. Do Clemson's does Clemson's like number two squad match up evenly against Florida State starters? They're better offensively. Clemson's number two is way better than FSU offensively. So, um, yeah, I mean, gun to my head, I probably I probably lay the points and take Clemson at minus thirty five and a half, even though that's absurd against the team. That should be quite talented in Florida State still. Um, 
Wisconsin, Notre Dame, another top 25 clash of Northwestern. I'm sorry, not Notre Dame. Uh, Both teams undefeated. Scotty finally got back on the schedule, looked really good last week, and they take on this pesky Northwestern team. Interesting thing about Wisconsin is they they've just got a different vibe to them on offense now that they can pass it for the first time that I can remember. I guess no, no, since since Russell Wilson. Let's be let's not get crazy here. Uh, Wisconsin favored by seven on the road, and I think I'm going with the Badgers here. I just I'm not a believer in Northwestern, even though they are undoubtedly one of the better coached programs in the Power Five in the big 10 too. I mean, they're they're Michigan down and Penn state down Northwestern's really showing up. Um, But yeah, Graham Mertz completely torched Michigan's terrible secondary last week. And I don't know if Northwestern quite has the cats to hang with Graham Mertz and the receiving threats on the outside seven. I I see seven and a half. I mean, I think that's even with the the half point there, I'd still take Wisconsin. Yeah, for sure. I've said this before, but, I think in the Big Ten, you have Ohio State and you have Wisconsin, and then that's the end of that top tier. And if you wanted to, you could even put Ohio State in its own tier. But the separation between Wisconsin and anybody else is enough for me to be taking them double-digit points, uh, let alone the seven-and-a-half against Northwestern. Justin? Uh, Yeah, you guys covered it all. I I already took took Wisconsin seven-and-a-half in this game. Get up early, though. That that would be my only thing. Don't let Northwestern hang around because they yeah, are yeah. good enough. And if you give a team like that a little bit of confidence, that's how those dumb upsets happen. So get up early, put them to bed. But I think Wisconsin wins it by multiple scores. For sure. Um, Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. Amazingly, this is also an inner top 25 bout. Oh, the Sooners are 5-2 and two now. Um Decent draft prospects on on either side, for sure here. You know, one of the top centers in the country over there for the Sooners. And, of course, Chubba, Tillon Wallace, among others for the Cowboys. Kind of highlight the the top-end guys. (laughs) Oh, boy. They're going to do this to us again, guys. They're going to do this to us again. So it's Sooners favored here. Um, They're favored by seven. And... You guys all know me so well. You know what I'm taking, so no point in even starting with me since I'll be taking plus seven Cowboys. Uh, Henry, let's start with you. Who you got? You know, I think that you're going to be right and I'm going to be wrong, but at this point, like, Oklahoma has kind of come back into my good graces. Like, they have done enough for me to be like, okay, this, this isn't like a great Oklahoma team by any means, but it, it certainly is like worthy of the Oklahoma name. They, they blew a couple of games early. Um, they had the, the, the loss to Kansas State that was like – They're a good team. Chaos. Yeah, they turn out to be a good team. Um, they, they lose to uh, – oh, it was Iowa State in that other like kind of back and forth close one. Like since then, they've been pretty solid. And I do think that they win this game. Seven points is a lot. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll go with you, Dre. Oklahoma State. Yeah, I think Sooners I like cover. the – you think so? I was going to say I like the dog. No, I, like I, dog. I just – I don't trust this Gundy team at all. I've watched a lot of Oklahoma State this year, and they should 
the talent is there. They should be, in my opinion, the best team in the Big 12. But I just I don't see it. I, I haven't seen it all year. And I think Rattler's starting to figure it out a little bit. I think the yeah. talent that they have at the skill positions is just slightly superior, yeah. even with what Oklahoma State's got working. I'm not, I, I think it'll be a good game. I see it you know, going back and forth. But I think the Sooners kind of pull away late. Maybe Oklahoma State turns it over. They end up losing by 10 to 14. Yeah, the line at seven kind of worries me to go either side. I do kind of like the over, though, just because it's bedlam and Beautiful. things get crazy. Yeah. I think this is a fair line if there were, like, this was a packed house. I think in a semi-neutral field with Oklahoma feeling Oklahoma State feeling good, Oklahoma being a little young and green, um, seven is just a smidge too many. If this was four, I'd be like, stay away. This is a perfect line. Or three, you know, or three and a half, I'd be like, no, Oklahoma State always blows three and a half. Like, do not take that hook. Uh, listen to Dre. I don't Dre's a, when it comes to betting, listen to Dre. <laughs> but <laughs> like the the seven, eh, I'm like, yeah, fine. You you're gonna give me the bit. I'll take the cheese. I'll take the cheese. We'll see how it works out. You know. Um, sometimes you gotta take the cheese. Sometimes you gotta be like, no, that's bait. I'm gonna stay away. Usually when I do that, I always pick wrong. So be weary yourselves. Um, final game I wanna get to is Liberty at NC State. Liberty kind of a fan favorite here. They are plus three and a half to NC State, who we faded NC State just last week and all won some nice money by taking the Miami Hurricanes. Had to eke that one out, but Derek King did the job for us. Can Liberty's Malik Willis do the job for us this week? It's gonna be a kind of feels like the Cinderella story ends here. I'm gonna let Jake mm. take it, but it. I don't know, especially coming off of that Miami loss. I think you're going to have a pretty pissed off NC State team at home. That's not a great matchup. I would like NC State a lot more if they had their um, their regular starting quarterback. I think his name was Leary. Um, yes. He got hurt, and I, he's not playing anymore. Yep. Um, so it does kind of make me a bit hesitant there. Both defenses, though, have not been great. Uh, this could be a very high-scoring game, and I do – I mean – Man, Liberty does have the better quarterback, I think, at this point, and I do think they're a bit yeah. more explosive. Yeah, I mean, plus three and a half in this situation, it is kind of tempting. I don't know. So you guys have talked me into two overs with Bedlam and this one. You've slowly talked me into three different dog money lines with this one, Oklahoma State, and the very first one we talked about in Indiana. I haven't even um, talked about Nevada yet because they're going to take down San Diego State. Well, snap. There you go. And Plus you know, the Cincinnati, the Cincinnati line looks extra small to me. They're just a six-point favorite to UCF. UCF, great team. They're still five and two skill positions real nice. Uh, you know, they've made me look stupid beating teams like Memphis and stuff this year. But against Cincinnati, that's not the kind of defense they're usually playing against in the AAC. I think Cincinnati covers that minus six, and I, I think they do that kind of comfortable. Cincinnati's been a moneymaker. Yeah, mm-hmm. Cincinnati's been a moneymaker. They've been great to you know bet against the spread on just because that ground game with Desmond Ritter is very explosive and very tough yes. to stop. Um, I don't know if UCF has the guys up front to really contain that. Yep. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Um, well, guys, I think that's going to do it all. We uh, we went about as long as we always do. So, uh, but that was a lovely. Oh shoot, we had questions. Um, we're gonna we're gonna take questions real quick. Henry, we're going to have to figure something out about the other pod. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, what was that? I just repeated you. Nice. Um, AvsWatch22 says, how's it going, guys? Long time no talk. So I listened to and re-listened to your mock draft last week after the Broncos' horrible loss this past Sunday to the Raiders. I have to say, I'm definitely on team draft defense with the first round pick. I'll try not to ramble here, but if the Broncos are around the 14-15 range and Dylan Moses is available, I'd really like to have him to replace Josie Jewell. Love Josie, but Moses, AJ Johnson on the inside would be monstrous. Henry also talked me into the safety whose name I can't spell. I believe it's, you know, it's a... Jeremiah Wilson-Cormoa. God, I love you. That's why you are the man. Um, If we could get a guy who is like Simmons or Jamal Adams light, I'd be all for it. So now, finally, for my question, I quickly checked out the Pro Football Network's way too early four-round mock draft, and they have the Broncos taking Moses at 14, Eric Stokes, the Georgia cornerback, at 45, Adarius Washington, the TCU uh, safety, at 75, and Daniel Falele at 105. He is the massive, almost 400-pound right tackle at Minnesota. How would you guys feel about the draft hall through four picks? Are there other guys you'd be attempting to target? Like I've like I've heard you guys talk up Caleb Farley a lot already for cornerback depth. Already, that's enough for me. I'll be tuning into every draft show from now on and learning a ton over the next five months about the breast prospects who fit the Broncos moving forward. Thanks, guys. Much love. Appreciate all your work phenomenal question really appreciate it mad love um and i should tell you i've been getting lots of compliments on the draft pod in general so i'm loving this new format i really appreciate you guys um i appreciate this question we're gonna save the other question we have specifically about the broncos needs for the next podcast because i really want us to sink our teeth in so let's analyze this mock real quick Moses at 14, Eric Stokes at 45, a safety at 75, and a massive right tackle at 105. To me, that is a C minus. It's okay. Pretty yeah. disappointing. Yeah. It's um the needs you hit are all right. Moses, honestly, in that mid first round, I think you could do better. Eric Stokes mm. is actually the best value pick of this entire draft. Um Washington's the lesser of the two TCU safeties at 75. They're guys who I think would be better value, especially in some mocks. And I'm kind of out on Falele. Uh, I think he's too big. I, I, I don't think he can play the position. I never believed the hype. I was, you know, I, I checked him out and uh, yeah, I'm out. Um, so, uh, but Justin, Henry, how would you guys feel about such a defensive heavy draft i mean three back seven talents and then a, a right tackle i like it you know like you said like we'll dig real deep into the broncos needs next week but you know you could you could add a starter on this offensive line you know i don't know where exactly he would slot in like who would be the first one to go like you know brian glasgow has been disappointing like cushionberry's been disappointing. i mean they, they can't run the football they've all kind of been disappointing 
you know, there's going to be a spot where you can fit an offensive lineman, especially like who knows what's up with Juwan James, Garrett Bowles. Um, and I would really like to see that get fixed. I would really like the Broncos to just say at some point, yeah. we want to be able to run the football and protect a quarterback. We are going to focus on doing that. But, you know, you could make a great claim for a linebacker or um, safeties. Um, with the linebackers, I, I feel like you're kind of set at linebacker, at least for another year. You can, you can run it back comfortably with Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell, maybe another year after that. Mm. Um, and, and I think that, like, you could certainly upgrade that position, but you could certainly yeah. upgrade so many other positions that I don't know that I would go linebacker first round right now unless the value is great. Like, Micah Parsons slipped. You could talk me into it. Um, but, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't mind that draft, I'll say. I think that it's very open-ended, and we'll get deeper into the needs next week and figure out what exactly – they should do 14's a little high for Moses, but no. I don't hate it. I, I'm telling you, like he, this guy, he's just he's a heat seeking missile. He struggles yes. to shed tackles a little bit, like or blocks a little bit blocks, once they yeah. get their hands on him. But he's just a guy that I don't I love the way he plays, and I'm not sold on Josie Jewel. I just don't like his athleticism. Yeah. I'd really rather get Micah Parsons, but obviously that's you know, a bit of a long shot. You're probably going to have to get top 10, I think for him, but it, I don't know. I, I don't, I'd give it maybe like a B minus. I'll go a little higher than Trey. Jake, before I know you, you've got a couple of things you want to say. Um, Moses, you watch the most Alabama out of any of us, Justin, since coming back from the injury, are you know is he still moving fine sideline to sideline to you? Because that's that's my only concern is the range and the sideline to sideline mobility as he comes back from a, you know, a, an injury that kept him out all of last year. I haven't noticed you know like a steep drop off. I'm not mm -hmm. sure he's been quite as dominant, but I think he's a guy who's really going to benefit or potentially tank depending on, you know, how he does in some of that three cone drill, and in some of that stuff going into the combine, he's really going to have to demonstrate yeah. that he's just as explosive laterally as he always was, but I'm not super concerned about it. Like I said, I still think 14 is probably too high there. And I think everything that Henry said about the offensive line is valid. And if they lose Garrett Bowles, they have no choice, but to go offensive line in my yeah. opinion, but I, I, I really don't, I, I think he's thinking along the right lines of what are Denver's needs. And he hit those. I would just maybe shake the order up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I like what Henry said about the offensive line. I think you could definitely get an interior guy or, I don't know, someone like Elijah Vera Tucker who maybe you can play tackle in a cinch but Dude, could also throw him inside. Love like that you brought him up. Yeah, yeah. I've been wanting to bring him up the last two weeks. Haven't really yeah. found the chance. But Yeah, the uh, USC been... left tackle we should mention. Played inside last year when uh, Austin Jackson was there at left tackle. Now he's outside. He is kicking ass, especially as a run blocker. Yeah, he's been very impressive. So he's someone, I mean, he's like we said, he's been playing well. So who knows where he goes at this point? I could definitely see him going higher than 45. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, we talked about it a bit, running back, maybe in the yeah. third round or something, especially yeah. if, you know, if they're out on Melvin Gordon after one year, you know, Lindsay's contract situation we already yeah. talked about a bit. So that's another position I'd look at. Don't want to get too into the needs. We'll save the rest for next week. Totally. And I mean, hey, we've talked it up. The, this quarterback class has some value. So you never know if if a trust were around in round two, 
some competition can't be denied at this point. If a Malik Willis were around by that hundred and one five pick, I might consider that. So Derek all King. things we Derek Derek King would be so fun. I don't even know how Broncos fans would handle it. Um, an offensive tackle, you know, you brought the USC kid up. Zion Johnson, a guy who could play tackle, could be moved inside. The Northwestern kid fits that mold. Spencer Brown, the Northern Iowa kid who's so raw. Um, we've got guys at U, um, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, who would fit better as right tackles than the Minnesota guy. It's actually a kind of deep offensive tackle class, even though after Sewell, maybe we don't feel like there's a clear-cut number two guy aside from there. So, um, so Is there yeah. any way that Sewell drops out of the top five? I don't think so. Because I can the only see question Denver is, trying to trade up to like six or seven, but I don't see them having the arsenal to try mm-hmm. and trade into the top five. Look, if they're going to trade up that far, you got to get a quarterback. Yeah, that's true. He only The only question with Sewell is, does, could he drop out of the top three? Like he could drop to five, but dropping out of the top five, no, I forget. No way, not, not the best freaking offensive lineman I've ever studied. Not him, not that dude. He's too good. Sorry? Who just turned 20. Yeah. Less than a month ago, turned 20 years old. It's important that we throw that out there when we talk about it. Absurd. Yeah. Okay. On that note, we can close this out. This was fantastic. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your questions. We'll be back next week um, on the DMVR Draft Podcast. Jay on the moon.